Thanks for tuning in to the Movement is Life podcast, a show bringing you raw conversation, tips, and engaging topics hosted by yours truly, Mike Fox. Join me in the dialogue on all things creative, entrepreneurial, and unconventional with stories that may just change your life. Subscribe to hear new episodes every other week. Each feel with reasons to listen closer next time. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Movement is Life podcast. You know, this one is uh, it's going to be a great episode. We're going to be talking about define the odds. And really, define the odds means a lot of different things to me, and especially where I grew up as well. So I'm going to dive in the, into that a little bit and then also bring a co-host onto the episode a little bit later. But hope everyone is doing great out there. This episode is really going to be focus on inspiring the audience. This isn't just, you know, me or my co-host talking about, you know, ways that we got to success or achieved any level of success. We want to help anyone that's listening as well. So just keep that in mind as we talk about um, this topic and a few different questions around this topic. So define the odds to me really just means, you know, beating your circumstances and your probability. Like, for example, me growing up in a single parent family home, you know, it was just me, my mom and my brother. And my mom was working third shift. I mentioned this a little bit on the last episode, but me and my mom and my brother it was just us. She was working third shifts. You know, we pretty much had to look out for ourselves. And I really thank my brother for being, you know, a role model in my life and, you know, just helping guide me along the way because he had to figure it out, too. So together, we could both figure it out and achieve what we wanted to achieve in life. And, you know, fast forward, we're both college graduates, which isn't even popular in my family. There's maybe like, no, there's maybe single digit college graduates in my family. And it really means a lot to us to be able to set a goal and then achieve it and then, you know, keep going after what we want to do. My brother is actually an electrical engineer. And then, of course, you know, I'm a photographer. So. Uh, these are things that we really wanted to achieve early in life, um, you know, around the end of high school. So just to be able to speak back on that and realize, like, a, not a lot of people get those opportunities, especially, you know, black kids with a single mom raising them. Um, it just really puts some perspective into life. And I hope it really puts some perspective into your life, too, whether you have both your parents or you don't have any of your parents. There's really ways to overcome you know, life's obstacles that's thrown at us. So, you know, going back a little bit to into my journey as, you know, being a photographer as well, I've had to overcome the odds many different times, whether it's, you know, doing photography while still in college, traveling during trips to get photos, working with clients, um, skipping classes during college, all of that. I mean, people don't even make it through college when they're there attending 100% of the time. So to be able to travel and um, take photos for clients while still in school means a lot to me. And it really helps me understand what define the odds is because I still overcame that, still stayed focused throughout school, um, got my grades and got my degree. So it's it's a big part of being a creative, too. It's like a lot of times you're going to have to defy the odds just to keep creating and you know, I've been faced with that even this year in 2019. Like, you know, 
going through a struggle of getting my gear stolen in Los Angeles and having to overcome that. Like, who can really replace gear that you've been saving up for for years and then continue to go after your journey? But I had to do that. I had to defy the odds of that. And shout out to my boy, Matt. Um, I was going to shoot his wedding the same week that that happened. And I still shot the wedding. You know, I rented some camera gear. And what's crazy is I didn't even get to rent my same camera because they didn't have it in stock. So I had to rent a camera that I never used. It was still a Nikon, but never used the camera at all in my life. Um, it was a D800. And that's the camera I actually have now. Because I was like, you know, this is this is pretty badass. So I'm going to go ahead and just get it. But ended up renting that camera, doing the wedding. And they love the photos. But it's a big shout out to Matt because, you know, that wedding was going to be a present to him. And just for, you know, being my friend. And I couldn't even gift that present to him because someone stole my gear. So we ended up working out a deal to where I could reinvest and get my gear back to continue on this journey. So it's just understanding, too, that like not everything is going to work out how you planned it or how you expect it. But you can still overcome that no matter what happens to you. And I really for a long time thought, you know, my dream was over. Like my dream of being, you know, a lifestyle commercial photographer and doing big things was over. And in some ways it was, you know, I had to take a step back. I wasn't even shooting for like months at a time. But also, you know, I had to relocate and I really felt a different kind of way about it because it's like maybe I should focus on something else. Maybe this is a sign to focus on something else. And then I just sat back and had a perspective of like, you know, things are going to happen. But that doesn't mean you give up on your dreams. You continue to keep defying the odds. You've been through so much already. Why would you stop now? So when I bring on my co-host, he's going to dive into a little bit of that and, and how he's overcame his obstacles as well. But additionally, it's really about the inspiration and helping anyone understand that you can defy the odds. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my co-host, Daniel Diarco. You know, he's a photographer, creative, works with a lot of different clients, um, you know, from the Bay to Los Angeles to around the world. And he's just all around really dope dude. We've connected in Los Angeles and, you know, I really wanted to bring him on this episode because he has a lot of great perspective. So what's going on, Daniel? How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Um, how about you? Doing pretty good, man. Feeling good about this episode. Nice. Nice. Yeah, same. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, I will preface this by telling the viewers out there that I may be coming down with the cold. I'm not quite sure yet, but uh, I'll try to manage. <laughs> you get to feeling better for sure, but yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah. Okay, nice. But yeah, um, just diving into Define the Odds. Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, you know, what it was like to, you know, make it from the Bay to working in Los Angeles and just building on your craft as well? Uh, so upbringing, uh, interesting upbringing. So um, I was always a very hyper creative kid growing up, but I was also I felt a bit of a black sheep in the family. So my dad, he was actually a an actor, performing artist, singer, and musician who grew up in New York City. And um, he was always performing out there. He was doing like 
uh, commercial work out there. He was in some TV shows and everything when he was a kid. And when he moved out to San Francisco, that's where he met my mom and everything. Um, so they built a family over time. And out of the four kids, um, I was kind of the only one that had this almost compulsive need to create stuff. So I would take um, aluminum foil and I would make uh, sculptures of Pokemon and Digimon. Yeah. <laughs> and I would and I would I would just make them in my own free time at lunchtime. And these kids would be like, hey, can I buy one of those? That's amazing. And I'd say, yeah, sure. So they'd give me a quarter and I would just give it to them. Um, and then I would always take, you know, I would build things out of Legos and connects and I would make, um, car models, airplane models, like all these things, like anything I could get my hands on. I was just very into it. And I was really unorthodox, uh, because my mom said that between my brother and I we're sort of polar opposites in a way where he tends to be a little more analytical left-brained, um, by nature. And we would both play with Legos and my mom would say, you know, David's always building a tower going straight up, like the tallest skyscraper he can make. And I'd look at you and I'd ask you what you're making. You're like, I'm making a catapult. I'm making a bird. I'm making an airplane or something. Just really weird stuff that I could think of. So the the unfortunate thing was that when I grew up, though, I also had very low self-esteem. So I'm not an introvert, but I'm a low self-esteem extra, uh, extrovert. Uh, at least in my upbringing, so I'm a lot more, I'm a lot better now. But uh, well trained extrovert, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've always had this low confidence thing when I was a kid, because being creative was weird, and no one in my family did it, and I got made fun of a lot. Um, so when I when I got older, I was still very creative. I got into things like acrobatics and breakdancing, and I eventually wanted to be in Cirque du Soleil. And maybe this is a story that we could kind of put later on the conversation, if you want to go down sort of that route of how the career got started. But, uh, sure. but yeah, the upbringing part was, was essentially that I, uh, um, had like a very, it was like a very Christian family. Um, it was a little, sometimes rough around the edges, very rigid here and there. Um, and ironically, even though my dad was kind of the artistic type, I never felt like I got the support to be a creative person. So, um, so having that circumstance, it was always hard for me to be confident in my work when I did try to go professional because the emotions that you have when you're, you know, five years old, eight years old, 10 years old, those really settle into your subconscious. And then those sort of like, those propagate throughout your life and they kind of show up in other ways, you know? Um, for sure. But I mean, to, to yeah. touch on that a little bit on my end, um, <clears throat> I can definitely relate to because like I said, my dad wasn't really around. Like I got to see him a little bit here and there. But yeah. even being a creative, like I never had that support. Nobody in my family is even a creative. Like I'm pretty sure I'm the only photographer in my family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, I definitely can can relate to that. I mean, it, it's hard, you know, because you you start to think that it's wrong in a way to be creative. Um, you start to think, is this something that I shouldn't be doing? Is it a waste of my time? Like, why do I feel this need to? Um, connect the dots in this really odd pattern or do things in an unorthodox way. Um, but as you get older, you start realizing that a lot of the most famous people in the world are creative. You know, a lot of famous actors or entrepreneurs or people who, who engineer things that are remarkable. They all have this, this nugget of creativity flowing throughout their, their brain. And, um, and that leads to discovery and, and things that wasn't done before that weren't done before. 
So facts, facts. yeah, yeah. So I, I think, uh, so just knowing that alone, as I got older, the, the upbringing and the negative parts of it started to fade away. And I started really seeing, okay, this is something that's special. It's something that I should hold on to and, and hold it close to my heart because the, those memories that I had of me making things for me, those are very precious. And I almost wish that I had everything I made when I was a kid so I could <laughs> look at it and re-inspire myself every now and again. You know, like, okay, I made this when I was eight years old. I can definitely shoot this photo or like make this video, you know? For sure. And that's great. I mean, it sounded like your upbringing really just taught you how to be yourself as well and really come into your own personality. Yeah. Um because I, I guess, uh, I guess, in a way, even that might be to find the odds. Uh, seeing, seeing that something feels a little bit out of place, but you still do it anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of what define the odds is for sure. It's just um, making sure that you overcome, even if a lot of people aren't doing that as well, which is important. We need that in the world. We need a lot of that in the world, um, just mm-hmm. to show people that it's possible and create change to better help people as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I mean, uh, so your upbringing, you were mentioning earlier, uh, it, it sounds like it was pretty rough, but um, but you, you found a way to get to LA, you found a way to start your career and everything. And so I'm sure that anybody who's watching this, maybe they're living in Nashville or maybe they're living in the Midwest or opposite side of the, uh, the continent, you know? Um, and I think that there's a lot of inspiration to draw from that. Yeah, man. I mean, definitely had like, I wouldn't say it was a super rough upbringing. Like I was in the hood a little bit, but mm-hmm. not to the point where it's like I got into gang banking and stuff like that. Cause mm-hmm. I just re- really wasn't around my area where I grew up in Bowling Green, Kentucky. But yeah. um, at the same time, it's like, I've been through the struggle and I know what the struggle is. Yeah. And it really taught me how to branch out and do something that you know, not everyone does in your community or in your family. Yeah. And it, it really just inspired me since high school to just go after what I want to do no matter what and keep defying the odds and still continue to do that to this day. I think um, I think there's definitely something to be said about living in a middle class to lower middle class or 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 poverty type family, because, um, I you know, there's always the classic story of you know, a celebrity says, I moved to LA with $20 in my pocket. And, but you find out that they they came from a very wealthy family. And it's when you come from a very uh, lower middle-class family, I mean, that's what I came from. I remember having uh, family meetings. My family might, (laughs) they might hate me for this, but um, I remember sitting in meetings, they would just round us all up together and say, Hey, so uh, you guys have to turn the lights off when you're not using them we're not doing so well on money and uh, we, we might have to start getting uh, food from the shelter or something like just as extra food. Not that we won't go shopping, but it's just, we're struggling a little bit. So please help us out, you know, with like the electricity bill and how much water you're using, like everything. Right. And when I was a kid, I didn't, I didn't understand that. I was just uh, thinking, well, what's the big deal? Uh, I didn't (laughs) really know what money was to be honest. Um, But something about, wiring your brain when you're young to think a little more conservative or, or, or be um, risk averse. It, it can be hard 
to to take risks in the future because you think that any kind of risk is a bad risk and uh and there's not going to be a reward from it for sure i agree with that um it's really hard to understand money as a kid you just think that's how it's supposed to be like that's the way it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. um and then as you get a little bit older and you like have to work i mean i've been working since i was 15 yeah not necessarily obviously for myself or anything like i've had plenty of jobs yeah but those jobs were you know helping around the house helping support myself because you know my mom was always working or sometimes she just didn't have the money yeah. so yeah just being able to understand that as a kid is pretty hard but as you kind of grow up that stuff sticks with you you're like i never want that to be a situation my kids have to go through as well mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. that there's anything wrong with it you know our parents did the best that they could but yeah. it's like i really got to change that for the future yeah so so you're the trailblazer in the family and uh, it's especially hard when, um, whether it be a single parent or both parents, when anyone in your family doesn't have a background in business, because it's just, you, you really have to rewire your brain because it's a different style of thinking. And um, my parents had never owned a business before. And uh, and so, you know, it's like Filipino father, Chinese mother, uh, and they're both very old school American. So it's just, uh, you know, work a nine to five, find success that way. Yeah. And that's the way a lot of a lot of people think, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I talk about nine to fives and like being self-employed a lot on this podcast because it's a topic a lot of people talk about. and A lot of people are unhappy with their path. But the thing is, it's your path. Um, If you want to do a nine to five, that's okay. And if you're happy doing that and happy um, with being in that environment, that's completely okay. But if you want more and if you want to really change things, self-employed is the way to go for you. So it's really about just the perspective. And I hope this episode really opens up that perspective as well. But diving uh, more into your background and you know how you started your career, what does define the odds really mean to you? And how did that help you mm-hmm. get started in your career? Um, to me, it meant everything. Uh, so I mentioned earlier that I, I was... Uh, Following the creative sort of upbringing and everything, I eventually became an acrobat and a break dancer and everything, and kind of like a performing artist, essentially. Nice. And what I what I actually wanted to do when I was 18, 19 years old, right after high school, early college, was I wanted to be in Cirque du Soleil. Um, for some reason, I think it was kind of, it was just attractive to me because I was like this hyper creative guy who was... I liked the escapism of running away to the to the <laughs> the circus tent and just performing and doing something I love and getting paid to do that and not having to deal with anybody else uh, uh, outside of that. Um, uh, but I, I can see now it wasn't the right path for me because what happened was I was training one day and I actually got really good at this. Um, I was doing a lot of uh, double saltos or multiple flips in the air. So like double back, double fronts, everything on floor. And I was training in the gym one day and I want to say there was kind of a fault with the equipment, but essentially what happened was I fell directly onto my head really, really hard. And it was like a sledgehammer hitting me directly on the, uh, on the skull. And there was this giant crack that happened in my neck. And I remember it was very audible. And <laughs> I mean, I, I, I stood up for some reason. I was able to still move my body. And I just went, ow, that hurt like a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and... um. And so I'm standing there in the gym. There's really nobody else there because uh, it was a it was a private session I was doing. Um, 
and I just couldn't move my arms like I normally could. They were moving in slow motion, like half speed. But my, I could stand up and everything, but there was something wrong with my shoulders, my, my arms um, above the elbows. And it just felt really numbing. And I wasn't sure what was happening, but I, I assumed I said, okay, maybe this is a, a sprained neck because I've never broken anything before. There's no way this is a broken bone because I'm still able to kind of stand up and everything. Wouldn't I be dead? I've seen every movie there, there is out there about broken necks. <laughs> People die, you know? Yeah. Um, so really, really ignorantly and foolishly, I, uh, I didn't have health insurance back then. I was just a kid. You know, I didn't have health insurance, uh, kind of like, you know, lower middle class, class family. And my family was actually out of town as far as I knew. My, my brothers and sisters were kind of out doing errands or working or something. And my, my mom and dad were in, um, I think, Reno celebrating my dad's birthday. So I, I end up going, okay, if this is a sprained neck, then I can probably just drive home. <laughs> and it took me about five minutes to get in my car because I hurt really bad. And I sat in and I drove 14 miles home. Um, uh, paid toll at the toll booth without looking at the, the toll person, the cashier, I just gave him five and kept driving forward. I went over a couple speed bumps, which was scary. And when I got home, um, it took me equally as long to get out of the car. And I said, I just need an ice pack. I just need an ice pack. And my body started going into shock. So my body started vibrating with pain. Like my arms were shaking. My, my torso was shaking and it was really hard for me to even speak. So I lie down an ice pack and I can't get up. Like my body isn't budging anywhere. Like I was able to kick my legs around, but my upper torso wouldn't roll around for me. And I was, I was freaking out because I was stuck on that bed doing nothing. Uh, my brother actually coincidentally walks into the house and his name's David. And I say, David, get up here, runs upstairs. And he's like, what's wrong? And I say, can you Google symptoms of a broken neck? And he's like, why? <laughs> and I said, because I think I just broke my goddamn neck. And he's like, no freaking way. Um, so he, he starts Googling it and he's like, uh, body going to shock, you know, numbness, tingling or, or, or whatever the symptoms were. I met all of them. And I just said, okay, this is really bad. So he immediately calls the rest of the family because it went from being this, okay, maybe it's a sprain to being, no, this is critical. This is something serious. Um, Shit. Yeah. So he calls my family and like all of them, they're just like, get them to a hospital right now. <laughs> yeah. they, they call the EMTs and it's a very strange experience having uh, hearing sirens from miles away and knowing that's for you because it's never for you. You know, it's always for somebody else. And, um, it, it got louder and louder and louder. And eventually they just banged on the door. They came in, put me on a stretcher very gently. And the rest of the, the 20 minutes after that, I, I just spent looking at the sky and then ceilings and then, uh, emergency door opening and then uh, like doctors looking down at me, all this stuff. They put me, they put me in a, a local hospital. It was called Sutter Solano in Vallejo. And uh, they go, okay, we're going to give you a CAT scan x-ray. I'm like, cool. They do that. And then they look at me and they're like, how did you get here? And I said, well, I kind of drove home and they went, okay, that is insane because you're really lucky to even be alive right now. You didn't break your neck in one place. You broke it in two. And so you both, so two bones in your neck are completely shattered and we got to rush you to an, uh, a bigger hospital, uh, John Muir hospital in Walnut Creek. 
And I'm like, cool. I don't know where this is going to go. I'm really freaking out, but I just got to do this. So the whole family's freaking out. They all start coming back to town. I think my my uh, mom and dad started driving back and they transfer me to the bigger hospital. Now it's nighttime. And uh, yeah, they just stripped me naked, put me in like the hospital clothes and everything, threw me into an MRI, uh, which was interesting experience. And then after I got out, uh, they had the best neurosurgeon. I think one of the top three or something in California come out to work on me because it was it was so bad that they had to get this guy to find out what was going wrong and how he's going to fix me. He pulls up a chair and sits next to me and he goes, Daniel, I looked at your MRI, your CAT scan and your x-rays. And he said, technically, your head should have fallen off your body. He said, you're, you're kind of like a he said, you're kind of like a zombie right now. The only reason your head didn't fall off your body is because the muscles on the outside of your neck are holding everything together. Uh, and I said, that is insane. I really am like a zombie right now. And uh, he said, yeah, so we're going to have to strategize, figure this whole thing out and, and get back to you and your family about what's going to happen. What, what's like the operation we got to do. So they actually left it broken for three days because they 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 said that it was under five millimeters. The bones were under five millimeters from puncturing my spinal cord, which would have led to me either dying or I would have stopped breathing or I would have become a quadriplegic or something. Because the, the, the bones I broke were the C4 and C5 cervical vertebrae. And I think uh, one of those, I think it's the C5 controls the uh, shoulders and arms. I think C4 might control the lungs. I might be getting it mixed up, but basically either of those would be really bad. So um, really, really close call. And eventually they, they had me go into operation and it was a six to eight hour operation. Really intense stuff. They had to do what's called spinal fusion and they replaced what seems like 50% of my, my, uh, neck with metal. So it's, uh, it's titanium tantalum plates and a bunch of screws and everything, um, fake bones in there. And I got out and I got out of the operation and it was just, uh, incredibly painful. It was like two weeks on morphine hallucinating, like, like hell. Um, I literally, I saw demons. <laughs> I'll put it that way. When you're on morphine, you're tripping. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so after that, you know, they were like, okay, Daniel, uh, it's, it's basically time for you to go. You, you relearned how to walk again, all this stuff. Cause I lost a lot of my muscle. Um, your body's adjusting to what's, what's happening inside move mountains. When you get back home, do something big with your life. And the, when the doctor said that to me, it was just really powerful because it was like this weight on my shoulders. Like you survived other people usually don't survive or they get paralyzed for life. So you got to do something big with yourself. And, and it's kind of like, we don't care what you do. Just do something with yourself. So I, 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 you know, I went home, recovered for a couple months, and then I went back to college. I was in a community college and uh, it was just not the same. I sat in class the first day and I was like, what am I doing here? Like <laughs> everything I just went through, that was not a dream. That was all, that was all a reality for me just not too long ago. And I can't just go back to this. Um, so I ended up dropping out. I started working with a photographer, a uh, portrait photographer named Francie Lucero, who's still a really good friend of mine. I just learned the basics of freelancing and how she works and how she runs a business and how she talks to clients, how she sets up shoots, everything, uh, lighting stuff. But one interesting thing that happened with me was I got really obsessed with the hardware in my neck because the doctors were saying to me, you know, uh, there's a bone graft in there. 
there's a there's like artificial bone we put a lot of titanium and tantalum plates in there and i started asking them like well where's the stuff made like how do you manufacture what does it look like you know uh, how did you install it i started get, kind of geeking out about the stuff that's inside my uh uh the the neck and so while i was doing a photography career and doing filmmaking all that stuff as well i i started building things i got really obsessed and not just creating things like when I was a kid, but creating things like kind of like on an engineering uh, level, like started getting very crafty and started fabricating things and doing small scale manufacturing in my garage. And so over the years, um, like I eventually kind of merged the two. And now I consider myself, I don't really, I guess I kind of don't call myself a photographer per se nowadays. Um, but I'm an industrial storyteller now. So I, I kind of focus my specialty on telling the stories and doing content creation for companies or people who are innovating on existing or developing technologies or products. And I think if it weren't for what happened to me and it weren't for my, my, my automatic interest and the things they were doing to my neck and the hardware inside of it, I wouldn't have gotten the spark to not only create, but to understand how things are made. And so it kind of turned me into this person who, who kind of got a little bit of both of those worlds and uh, it kind of merged somehow into a specialty, I guess. Yeah. I mean, y'all want to talk about fucking define the odds. That is that shit right there. This man just gave the most <laughs> badass story. <laughs> I still get emotional thinking about it, to be honest. Um, As you should. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, this might sound a little bit a little bit woo-woo or spiritual or something, and I don't want to freak people out. But there are times where I look at myself and I kind of think, you know, um, I don't mind taking risks because I shouldn't be here. Like I'm, I'm like a ghost. And and I think I think when you there are probably people out there who can who can maybe relate to this, uh, who have had near death experiences or uh, something like that. But oh yeah, we're going to talk about that on the podcast too. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I've had some myself. Oh, I got to hear about those. Okay, um, if there's not enough time in this one, you got to tell me in private, man. I got to hear about that. Um, Definitely. Because uh, uh, so maybe you can relate to this. Do you feel that after having a near death experience, you have this almost spiritual connection with the idea of existence? Yeah. Like. Yeah you know, you're supposed to be here for some reason. Right. Right. And it's, it's, um, and it, it's not by accident. Again, I don't want to sound too woo woo or anything, but it's just, um, you feel that now you're on a mission to not only exist as you were before, but to make a meaning of your existence. And I find that, yeah, for me, it was, it was really powerful to have that realization because I, I mean, to be fair, it was kind of a lot of pressure coming from the doctor saying, move mountains. It's like, me? Seriously? <laughs> I'm going to do that. You know, I, I just I got to learn how to walk normally again. Um, but those words did push me to to learning more and and being more humble and understanding the world more and, and being creative, because up to that point, I was kind of not a, a confident person. And after that, I started really pushing myself to work on um, to work on my confidence in my ability and know that it's there for a reason. Definitely. Yeah. I feel the same way, dude. Um, that's an incredible story and really happy that you're still here and still <laughs> doing what you love, man. That's, yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah. Um, we're here for this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
a big thing that I took away from that too is like, you know, once you overcame that and you defied the odds of, you know, staying alive for one, you went and found something else. And then on top of that, you found a mentor or someone that you could work with. Yeah. And I want to touch on how important having that person in your life is. I've had many mentors in my life yeah. and I actually have a mentor now that I'm super grateful for. I want to give a shout out to my mentor, C.J. Johnson Jr. That's my boy. And mm-hmm. he really inspired me to get back into photography and keep doing what I love nice. after I got my gear stolen. So just the importance of having a mentor or someone that you can really express yourself to or learn from is super important for doing anything in life, yeah. whether it's your career or just going after what you want to do. It's so important. 100%. Yeah. I, um, I, I think, uh, because oftentimes you look, f- you look to mentors because they have something that you want or something they can teach you. And, if you were able to find that information, let's say in your friends or family, your immediate friends or family, then you probably would have gotten that before you found the mentor, you know? So, um, so there, there's, there's a lot of learning that happens, I think through mentorships. Um, and it's, it's always an odd experience at first because they, they just think about things differently than what you're norm, uh, used to. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I definitely think that me, me meeting uh, Francie was a big thing for me because it just, it instilled more confidence in this idea that, oh, a normal person can run a business and maybe I can do it. Yeah, man, that that's really great too. And, you know, yeah, like you said, mentors always have, you know, a different, different perspective and something that you can learn from. So a big part of pursuing anything that you want to do is knowing that you don't know everything. Yeah. And that you can always be learning. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 100%, man. Um, even, even nowadays, um, it, it's funny. I, I feel like, have you ever heard of the Dunning Kruger effect? I have not. No. Let's um, talk about that. <laughs> uh, I, I think, um, I think, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to totally butcher uh, the definition of it, but I, I think uh, if I could summarize the Dunning Kruger effect, it's, it's when somebody thinks they know everything about a subject when when they learn sort of like the broad strokes of the surface level facts about it but the more you learn about this subject the more you learn about this the skill this trade whatever it might be um the more educated you get the less you feel like you know about that thing so um when i was when i first started out um oh another summary is the guy who thinks he knows everything but then he just he knows nothing <laughs> yeah so uh, uh and then he he learns more about it and he's like oh this is actually kind of complicated so that's kind of the Dunning-Kruger effect. But um, yeah, I would say that uh, when I first started, I had this like really, really green outlook on photography and, and creative career. And um, and nowadays, I feel like I have way more knowledge, way more experience, a lot more wisdom about what I do. But um, but I, I feel like now I have to learn more. Like I feel like I, I, I there's like this ongoing need for information or, or education compared to when I first started, you know, because ignorance is very comfortable and ignorance is blissful. And so you see someone running a business and you're like, I can do that too. But when you do it for a while and you get an experience, you see all the particular things that go into it, all the, all the specifics. And it's no longer this, the silhouette of a business. Now it's like you see in detail, everything you have to do. And sometimes even that affects your confidence. So you, you feel the need to, to learn more and, and get more mentors and meet with more people who are experienced. 
you know, um, at least that's how it's been for me. So nowadays I, I feel that I have this ongoing quest to just meet a lot of people who are experienced, more experienced than me and just learn from them. Um, and that, the desire is stronger now than it was when I first started, I think. Oh, for sure, man. I definitely agree. It's like once, once I explored that first mentor and got that first mentor, I was like, there's so much more that I need to learn. Not only about my career, but about life. Yeah. Because this shit is complicated. There's a lot of things in life. Oh, yeah. There's not a one answer fits all either. So just being open to that and being able to learn is super important as far as being successful Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. find the odds and just surviving, (laughs) really. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining running a company with 200 employees or something. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine how uh, stressful that might be for the owner. So those are some great topics and, you know, I'm glad we, we really got to touch on the journey and how important it is to have different perspectives on it. Uh, but the last question I really have for you about define the odds is, you know, how can people push through to continue following their dreams and define the odds once something um, bad happens to them? Because, I mean, life is going to punch you in the face no matter who you are or what you're trying to do. And we both can attest to that. So what do you mm-hmm. think is most important for people to understand to keep, to keep going? Um, I think I think two common outcomes that people tend to resort to are numbing their problems through things like alcohol or having a vice or going to party or something. You know, everyone has their, their way of dealing with, with depression or stress and, and coping with all those things. The other way I see people dealing with these things is obsessing with work alone. And they end up, they end up working their ass off and they just become a workaholic work, 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 work but they don't have time to think or process how they feel about their life. And um, so what I would say is what's helped me in the past is I've always, I've always had this kind of solo player uh, mindset with, with a lot of freelance stuff in the past as well, but it's only been the past couple of years, maybe even the past year and a half or so where I started really involving myself a lot more with communities or people who are just like me, who are doing things, not necessarily the same, maybe not the same career or something, but they have a similar mission for their life. And, and yeah. And when you, I, I personally do think that when you surround yourself with people who are, they don't have to be like-minded completely, but when they, when they can empathize with your problems and you can just talk it through with them, uh, that's, what's going to get you through a lot of the hard times because community is so important to me nowadays compared to before. Um, and I, I wish when I was younger, I got, I, I inserted myself into more communities starting out because it would have helped me through a lot of problems, problems I had uh, thereafter. Um, so I think, yeah, the simple answer is community, uh, finding people who either do what you do or do something similar to what you do in their own style and who can empathize with what you're going through. And, uh, that could be people who are on the same level as you, people who are, um, above and beyond your career level. You know, people who can actually mentor you or advise you, who have the authority to to do that, I guess. Um, and now and and here on, I, I'm going to continue to do that. I love that answer, man, honestly. And I feel the same way. Like, I really didn't focus on community until I started my magazine um, in 2016. Mm-hmm. Before then, I was really just like the solo dude that just wanted to take pictures and, um, you know, connect with people, obviously. But it wasn't a community focus. Like I could connect with so many people and 
um, we could share the same experience. It was never that thought. But then when I had the magazine idea, I was like, this is where the community starts and how I get immersed into my career, what I want to do and yeah. other people that are doing the same. So yeah, it's extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. 100% man. I, uh, um, I think if, if there is one thing that probably would have been, I, I think one thing in the earlier stages of my career that could have, um, really catalyzed it to a much higher degree would have been having a community earlier. So, um, you know, people can either build their own community and, or they can join one. And there might be a lot of folks out there who are either, um, living in a more secluded area or, or a small town, or maybe they don't feel that there's anyone to connect with, but there are also online communities and you can make friends online. You can, you can have uh, Facebook groups or you can have uh, uh, chat rooms or something, or you can make a uh, DM thread, you know, amongst you and people that, you know, in Sri Lanka or Dusseldorf or, you know, uh, Namibia or something. And maybe you all do the same thing like photography, but having that mutual support for each other's work, you know, and I'm not, I'm not talking about support, like, um, comment pods or Instagram pods, whatever I'm talking about, you know, actual genuine support from those people telling them, um, you know, keep your head up and them telling you the same thing. That, that means a lot. If you're, if you're feeling like you're alone in a small town or something. So, yeah, I mean, community is for sure very important. So whether you're old or you're young, if you're young, mm -hmm. take advantage of it early. I mean, you heard me and Daniel talking like we didn't really take advantage of that. When we were young. We still were doing what we wanted to do, but do extra, join some communities, connect with more people. Mm -hmm. But if you're old, you can still defy the odds. You can still connect with people. There's people out there that share your perspective and your story as well. So just never let anything stop you from getting to your dreams. Yeah. Um, I, I think one thing I, I could say is that, um, uh, Again, I want to hear about your stories too about the near death stuff. But um, you know, I I've died almost died a couple times actually. Besides that one, um, and you know, besides that, it's like there's a lot of things that I could say stacked against me. You know, feeling like the black sheep or um, lower middle class family or whatever it might be, um, unhealthy relationships growing up, something. There's a lot of things that I could use as a crutch. And I even find myself nowadays kind of doing that, but it isn't going to help. And I think if, if you have a quote unquote crutch that you, you tend to lean on something that you tend to, um, uh, cry and shout whenever you feel like times are getting tough, just know that time does heal all wounds. Things can improve over time and you don't have to be stuck on that thing that you think, uh, ruined your life in the past. You, you can always build a new life and you can try something new. You can, you can switch it up. You can flip the script. Um, life is, life is short. Yes, but it's also, it has a lot of room for you to improve, uh, on yourself as well. Um, so a lot of it's mindset. If, if you have the opportunity to think positively, just do that instead. Absolutely. Mindset, super important. Um, speaking of mindset, actually, um, you know, I think, a lot of what's shaped my career and just me as a person is keeping not only a journal, but also mm -hmm. a vision board yeah. and then a to-do list too, because all of those things play a big part into keeping your mind focused on what you want to do yeah. and to just being more present into the moment. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. They say, they say that it's uh, much easier for you to organize your thoughts when you say or write it out. Um, and uh, one thing I do personally is I, I do audio logs on my iPhone. Um, so I, I just, uh, they could be about anything, yeah, career, relationships. They could be about um, something in the workshop. It could be about anything, uh, something I've heard. And um, they can range anywhere from five minutes to 20 minutes long. I'll just talk about stuff to myself. And it's so it sort of acts as a verbal journal for me, a verbal diary in a way for me to document my thoughts. And so what I like to do is I, I just do them throughout the, the days, weeks, months. Um, and then oftentimes I'll revisit them from a year ago and I'll see what was Daniel from 2018 thinking and how was he doing? And then you, you see this giant gap of improvement. And so, um, uh, yeah, I, I think keeping a, a journal or some kind of log about what you're up to or things that are on your mind or inspiration boards, all those things. Yeah. I, I, I love all that stuff. Yeah, man, that's great. I actually haven't heard of, uh, the audio logs, people doing audio logs to, uh, keep track of everything. That's a really great idea though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like I mentioned earlier, I think I am naturally an extroverted person. I mean, I don't like talking to crowds of, you know, 10 people at once or whatever. I don't necessarily like to party, but, um, if someone talks to me, I have no problem continuing that conversation or maybe even starting one. Um, so, so it's, it's, it's like, I feel this need to connect somehow. And if I can't connect with somebody, um, the moment I'm feeling like I have a lot in my mind, I just, I just talk and it, it sort of feels like I'm conversing in a way, but, uh, because it's being recorded, um, I put a lot of thought into the words I'm saying. So, uh, it, it's a lot more condensed down and organized. That's awesome. I, I think I'm going to have to take, uh, that little piece from <laughs> you with having a podcast yeah. and they help me, uh, organize my thoughts a little better. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think a lot of people should, uh, uh, should talk about stuff more, you know, I, 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 um, you know, when I was young, because I had sort of the, uh, when I was younger, having the low self-esteem thing, I, I, you know, you, you kind of harbor some passive aggression towards some things and you kind of, you get sensitive to a lot of stuff, but I found now in my more mature stage of my career and just existence, I guess, um, I I'm, I'm a lot more raw with what I say. You know, if someone asks me a question, I'll, I'll try to answer honestly. Um, if somebody asks me how I feel or, you know, what's going on in my mind, I'll just tell them because there's no real sense in hiding that information, um, especially if hiding it isn't going to benefit you. Uh, but 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 showing it could benefit you because you can make a connection with that person who's standing right there. That's a great point. I, lo- I love that. That might be like an Instagram caption for real. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, we, we should. Uh, maybe there's a lot of quotes we made today. Or yeah, something. I mean, I definitely think so. There's definitely a lot of things that the audience can take away and hopefully learn from as well. Cause you know, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, that was the objective to share our perspective and hopefully help people out there as well. Um, but yep. You know, just wrapping up the episode, you know, I want to thank you again for coming on and talking about your experiences and define the odds, what it really means to you. I feel like it was an important topic. So yeah, thank you again. Yeah, sure thing. You know, thanks for having me. Um, I, I love conversing and I, I love talking about stuff that uh, has to do with career or, or philosophy or anything like that. So it's, it's my pleasure. It's, uh, uh, it's something I enjoy. Awesome. Well, where can everybody connect with you at, Daniel? 
Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's just my name, Daniel Diarco, D-E-A-R-C-O is my last name. Um, I am trying to upload more to YouTube. Uh, I took a break this past year, but I'm trying to get back into that. So same thing, just my name on YouTube. And you can also find me on my website, DanielDiarco.com. And uh, yeah, send me an email, say hello. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Daniel. And that wraps up another episode of the Movement is Life podcast. Right on. Thanks, Mike. Thanks again for tuning into the Movement is Life podcast. And make sure to subscribe on all platforms where you can find your favorite podcasts. Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, everything. You can also connect with me on social media at the Fox Icon. I'll catch you on the next episode.